0: Hi, I'm Peter Mullen from Mullen Natural Health Centre. Have you ever thought about coming to see a naturopath but weren't sure if we could help? Why not try our free 15-minute phone consultations? Call four nine six one four zero seven five or go to mullenhealth.com.au for details.
1: How excited do we get on a Tuesday afternoon? Peter Mullen joins us. G'day, Peter. How are you, mate? Very well.
0: Very well, thank you, Mark. That's right,
1: the microphone's over there. This is not your first dance. (laughs) I'm
0: sitting very close to you today. I'm just going to move my microphone over a little bit.
1: You're moving away from me. Just a little bit. Do I smell? Is that what it is? Not at all. Okay, well, hopefully, I don't resemble the remark of our uh, title, our program today, because we're going to be learning all about
0: parasites. Yeah, look, everyone thinks that, you know, we live in a good country, Australia, like we're very clean, very hygienic, you know, how could we possibly have any sort of gut parasites or concerns. But that's what we're going to be talking about today, how it can definitely happen and how it actually affects quite a large percentage of the population. Today, no exception, we're talking about parasites. Well look it's mm. it's one of those things as I was saying before that you know we don't always give second second thought. Like we talked a lot in this program about the importance of having a healthy gut flora. You know, more good bugs than bad bugs. Um, the good bugs help to keep yeast and bad bacteria in check. But they also may help to play a big role in keeping the gut floor, gut environment healthy, so we don't get parasites. Okay. So parasites in
1: general, how do they enter our body? So we think we've well, got a guard up, but they the, just—they just come uh, in anyway.
0: Well, we're constantly in cont- contact with sources of parasites every day. Um, they uh, can, We
1: are still talking about microscopic organisms, not people. Well, right? we're
0: talking about a range of things. We're talking okay. about worms. Mm. Oh, yeah. <laughs> okay. <laughs> And, you know, worms are very common. And, you know, things like worms, like we may get through undercooked meat or through our, through our food. Um, we're also talking about bugs like, like malaria is classed as a parasite. So worldwide, it's a massive problem still for a lot of communities. Um, we're talking about giardia. So giardia, you know, when there'll be outbreaks of um, diarrhoea. Okay, You know, like schools and daycare centres and aged care centres, you know, Giardia, like a few years ago, there was an overgrowth of cryptosporidium in the water supply in Sydney. It certainly well about a decade ago from memory. Yeah, yeah. so that was, you know, the, the balance wasn't right. So these parasites were in the water supply and a lot of people. But interestingly, a lot of people, so you can all be exposed. We could all drink a glass with that bad parasite in it, but you two might get really sick and I wouldn't because my gut flora is really healthy. I like how, Peter, you're shaping yourself up as, (laughs) I'm the healthy person, are we okay? Absolutely. Have a look at you. Yeah, Yeah, so we do. We come in contact with parasites all the time. Mm. Um, Blastocystis is another one. Now, blastocystis is a a gut parasite that uh, not a lot of research is known about it, but it's actually been linked to thyroid disorders. So for people that have an underactive thyroid... And possibly even autoimmune, they also may have a blastocystis infection or overgrowth in their gut, and that may be what's causing the thyroid. It may be condition. a trigger, may have been a trigger for their thyroid condition. Oh, wow! Yeah, so we're finding more and more about how these parasites may be linked to other things. And interestingly, some parasites, such certain types of worms, particularly, have been there's been studies done where people have ingested the the eggs or the, you know, basically paras- like worm eggs and the eggs would implant in the gut and grow and by doing so they'd cause the immune systems to switch from anti from inflammatory to pro inflammatory so they found so for some people with inflammatory conditions like rheumatoid arthritis or severe autoimmune conditions that by that these parasites might actually cause the, trick the immune system into sort of switching around so yeah so we don't you know i, I don't think all parasites are, are bad Um, I think they're a part of our environment and we live with them rather than have to think that we've got to kill everything that goes on. But certain nasty ones definitely can contribute to um, symptoms like chronic fatigue, um, irritable bowel syndrome. Um, There's been links with conditions like ulcerative colitis and certain gut parasites. So it is important if you've got a a serious health issue and you've got a lot of gut issues that run alongside – I would always recommend getting tested for parasites, and we'll talk more about that um, in the, the third section about what to how to test for
1: Now it is very easy to pass them along, even though you might not know that you've you've got some really bad nasties in there. It's just easy to pass them on to the next person, isn't
0: it? Yep, yep, so they can parasites can enter enter through our mouth or our skin. Um, you can even get some parasites through the bottom of your foot. Is that right yeah H- how does that happen? I don't know. I think okay. that would be a pretty nasty bug maybe if you were in Africa or somewhere like okay. that. Um, water. So water's a big one, you know, and not just for travellers. You know, like everybody knows when you go overseas, you're best to try and drink bottled water, which again is not great because of other reasons. Um, but if you're
1: doing it for that short-term,
0: you know, a couple of weeks, a couple of months while you're away, yeah. that's better of yeah. the two evils. And, you know, even things like if you go out somewhere in a, in a a in a country where you're a bit concerned about their water supply and, you may be drinking bottled water and brushing your teeth with bottled water, but you might have a nice big salad. And, and the which salad's has been washed, washed in the water. The local water. So you have to be careful. Undercooked meat, uh, unclean or contaminated fruits and, and veggies, uh, handling animals, um, and then, yeah, overseas. Our ice is the other big one you know, you go overseas and you're sort of out somewhere and you're being really careful with all your bottled water but then you have a nice cold beverage of some description and mm-hmm. they whack a bit of ice in it and the ice might have been just straight from tap water or whatever. And there's also
1: a good chance that someone's just reefed it out of the bucket with their fingers and thrown it in the yeah, absolutely. glass as
0: well. So once you're infected with a parasite, as we said, it's very easy to pass it along if you don't wash your hands after going to the bathroom. Um uh, you can easily pass. You can easily pass on microscopic parasite eggs on anything you touch: door handles, keyboards, phones, etc.
1: Yeah, that's a big one, isn't it? People, not I. I still cannot believe that people don't wash their hands when they make a visit to yeah. the bathroom. I don't get yeah. it.
0: Yeah, we were talking about that a few weeks. Yeah, we were. Cause Maybe that needs to be a name and shame thing.
1: Well, there's there's nobody here that I can think of. So we're in a we share a building with a lot, a lot of other people. We share yeah, the okay. bathroom facilities, okay. and yes. quite often you'll be you'll be there and you'll see somebody walk out and be like, "Hang on." I didn't know you. I didn't see you wash. We're talking parasites today, and uh, the next you've got a bit of a list of some of those things
0: that you can tell if you have a parasite, can't we? Well, look, Mark, we do. And Rob and I were just discussing in the break, while of you were you out were. of the room, <laughs> that um, this list of symptoms could almost pass as a, you know, in a you know, in a loving way, as a bit of a bio for your new di- dating agency. Oh, you say this every week. It's not <laughs> happening, Peter. I'm not allowing you to do this. You're not I'm thinking, setting up I'm a dating of, profile. I'm thinking of holding an event in my rooms, actually. <laughs> is that right? In my healing rooms. Okay. And um, actually get you to come over and people can come to the practice and actually meet you. Just for, like, We'll do a speed dating thing. You must. You Maybe must, three, you must... three minutes or is that too long? They can heal a broken heart. They can oh. heal a broken heart. You
1: obviously want nobody kerning up at your practice because you'll <laughs> lose people straight away particularly well, they're, if they're, they're
0: watching. Just let Rob and I work out the details. We'll get back to you about that.
1: Okay. But are these other things that you you may have a parasite if you've got these Absolutely. Things.
0: So 10 signs not to be mixed up with your bio. Um, unexplained IBS. Um, people that have traveled internationally and got travel's diarrhea. And actually, that's a pretty common thing that mm. I'll, patients will come and see me where their digestion's been fine for years, and then they've gone to overseas. We won't mention any countries by name in case... Not they're Australia. represented, not Australia, <laughs> not in Australia, and um, it's where they've gotten sick while they're on holidays, and maybe come home, been sick for a little while. And interestingly, a lot of these parasites will have a cycle of like three weeks or six weeks. So it might be every three weeks, you might get a couple of days of where your digestion plays up, and then it seems to come good, or even a six-week cycle. So this is for people that have you know never been well since they've been overseas, um, history of food poisoning. Oh, food poisoning and digestion has not been the same since. Uh, trouble falling asleep. Trouble falling asleep. Rather, or waking up multiple times during the night. Mm, that 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 actually does fit my profile. Just between <laughs> you and me. <laughs> well, do you grind your teeth <clears throat> at night time? No. Well, that's. A I've common, never heard it happen. Put it that way. A, <laughs> it's a common sign in kids. Actually, that when they've got worms, they tend to grind their teeth at the night time, and mum will go in in the morning, and the sheets are everywhere, and. You know, the kids have slept really restlessly. It can be a sign of irritation. Okay. Um, it can be associated with things like pain or aching muscles and joints, fatigue, exhaustion, um, never satisfied or full after meals. And often one of the early signs or one of the chronic signs is like diagnosed with an iron deficiency because the parasites tend to take up the iron for themselves. So how would we know if Lead we less. are
1: deficient in iron? Um, blood one. test. Blood test? Okay.
0: Yeah. Yep. Yeah, blood tests. In, interestingly, iron. getting your iron, your full iron studies test done and monitored on a regular basis is one of the best tests for seeing long-term how your body's traveling. If something serious is coming up, even like cancer, celiac disease, often we'll see changes in your iron status, sometimes long before we'll find a tumor's been diagnosed. So, yeah, it's just an interesting thing that, you know, getting your iron, full iron studies done is a lot more of a, I think, a preventative health marker as much as... Just your iron levels mm. and parasites as well.
1: There are. This is a massive list, um, and all of these things could potentially lead to the fact that you've got some unwanted parasites. It's yeah, massive. absolutely.
0: And you know, as always, like the body, the body will express its its um, out of balance or not well in in a in a myriad of ways. And you know, a lot of these symptoms will overlap for other conditions, of course, as well. But um, you know, from our point of view, we always come back to. Um, the gut, how well your digestive systems working, what's your balance of good and bad bacteria like Um, and you know if you've got like basically if you're eating well and your digestive system's working well you shouldn't have gut symptoms so if you're getting bloating or wind or bowel variability it means there's a problem there not always parasites like it may be more food intolerances or stress or just poor digestion or FODMAPs or you know a myriad of things but um you know that's what that's what we sort of specialise in as naturopaths is helping people to work out what is the underlying. How do we go about getting to the bottom of it? Um, well, getting tested is the first thing, and um, fortunately, even through your GP these days, you can do a, a complete parasite test through doing a, a poo sample. Obviously, um, but it's a lot more accurate than what it used to used to be. So that's getting that done. If you're concerned that you might have got parasites, is a great first line of defence. Um, Gee, wouldn't that be a great job going through all of that? Yes, that would be a well paid job. Um, I would hope. I would hope so. <laughs> um, blood test things to look out for in a blood test, as I said, is you know chronic low iron or iron where it's been fine for ages and then it's dropped, particularly. Um, and getting your eosinophils part of a normal white blood cell count. The GP will always include eosinophils, and if that's elevated, that can be another marker of um, parasites as well. But the, basically, with the, the comprehensive stool test through the GP or through your naturopath, they need to use what's called PCR technology, which looks for DNA fragments. You know, In the old days, they used to just sort of spread the pool apart and have a look at it and see if they could see any eggs or casings or parasites. So now they use this technology where they can test for different DNA and identify a wider, you know, what parasites might actually be there. They must make that job a little bit more... comfortable maybe a little bit easier now the great news too is that there's lots of really awesome natural medicines that can help if you feel like you do have parasites even for kids Um, herbally um, herbs like wormwood golden seal um, any of the herbs that contain berberine um, black walnut hulls has traditionally been a long long standing herbal medicine and any naturopath or um, herbal medicine practitioner can make up an anti-parasite mix uh, colloidal silver can be a, a good thing to add in if someone's concerned about chronic long term gut parasites. Uh, I would always prescribe a probiotic, you know, a good quality probiotic containing the right strain of probiotics. <clears throat> Pardon me. And that helps to um, encourage the growth of the good bacteria, changes the pH, makes the environment healthier for the good bacteria, irritating to maybe bad bacteria or. Parasites as well
1: once we 've got to that point where you prescribe one of these um, remedies, yeah how, what sort of time frame are we talking
0: before you 'll see a change Well, look, it, it can really vary like generally um, the orthodox treatment tends to be um, anti worming treatments which act pretty quickly, supposedly, um, or if it 's one of these other nastier bugs, it can be like you know two to four weeks of pretty strong nasty antibiotics so with herbal medicine i would be looking at you know trialing uh, like an anti-parasitic program and again the critters can be a little bit um clever in that you can't just give someone the same thing for six weeks you sometimes have to pulse it where you might do five days of encouraging the good bacteria and improving the environment and then do two to three days where you go in and try and knock the parasite level down so as so, a, ga- a game it's a, it's a little bit of a, a little bit of an approach, and mm-hmm. um, it can take six weeks. But ideally, if you've been diagnosed with parasites, then you'd want to retest at least in twelve weeks, mm-hmm. just to make sure that what you've done has um, made a difference.
1: What about um, a digestive detox as well? Would that be something you'd recommend?
0: Yeah, look, it's a it's a big thing. You know, we recommend with a lot of our patients is let's get your whole digestive system working properly. Make sure you're digesting your food, producing the digestive acids and enzymes. Um, that you are getting the most that you are absorbing your nutrition, you know we talked a bit about iron, and that you know you 're creating the right environment for a healthy gut flora as well, so we would usually look at a parasite cleanse as part of a whole gut gut heal and repair program or approach or at least there are some uh, a lot of different options there, so if uh, one doesn
1: 't work we 'll try something else we'll Yeah,
0: absolutely, and herbal medicines mm-hmm. work phenomenally for anything to do with the gut. Um, probiotics always fermented foods we 've talked about a lot on this show as well so it's all, it 's all all comes back to the same sort of whole whole food whole life wholesome sort of approach um, you know herbs like um garlic for some people can really make a big difference with gut parasites as well so we 'll often include that in amongst the in, while doing the herb mix, while also doing the probiotic, we'll use things like I'll use things like um, slippery elm powder in there as well if there's some irritable bowel. So again, we'd sort of tailor any naturopath would sort of tailor the approach to suit the person. But you know, as always, I'm a big fan of if you suspect there's a problem, try and find out if that is the problem because anything you do to treat it obviously is going to be more successful if you're treating what you think you treating or helping with what you think you're helping with.
1: Good afternoon, Ron from Arcadia Vale. You'd like to talk to Peter about Alzheimer's today.
2: Yes, Peter. Yeah, thanks. My wife's mother uh, passed away at Rathbine's nursing home from Alzheimer's. Right. My wife is turned 75 about a fortnight ago. Yes. She has been concerned about whether she would, say, have the same problem as her mother. Yeah. Because I'm 78, the wife's 75, and we are getting fairly forgetful. It has been a bit of a concern, but we—I've seen a few articles about turmeric. Yes, and I'd like to get your feeling on using turmeric.
0: Yeah, look, I'm a I'm a massive fan of turmeric, Ron. There's been a lot of research with it. With a condition like um, Alzheimer's, it's very multifactorial. Um, like, there's a lot of contributing, even just aging of the brain and you know, forgetfulness and, you know, maybe a little bit of, you know, memory loss and stuff like that. Turmeric's is definitely something that I would add into the diet. I would get onto a good quality supplement, but, um, I would also consider going and seeing like a naturopath and getting a full assessment of your whole health and coming at it more from that angle as, as well. Like turmeric on its own will be helpful. But I sort of think with something as complex as Alzheimer's, you sort of need that, that bigger view as well. But it would be definitely a good starting point.
2: Yeah, thanks, Peter. It is scary. I mean, I used to, um, we used to, we don't live very far from that mind. Yes. And I used to go over and see the mother Laura. And, you know, now that at our age, it is really scary to absolutely. see. Absolutely,
0: absolutely. And look, yeah. at, look at this day and age as well. Like there's some great assessments you can have done to see where your brain health is up to. Yeah. So sometimes getting that done gives you – working out a plan of attack, a um, there's a lot can be done to really the, – the, we know now the brain's a lot more plastic than what we thought it used to be. So, yeah, I, I would um, get some assessments done, but i definitely consider talking to someone about getting – looking at the bigger picture because there's a lot can be done to help improve, improve brain function even as we age.
2: That's a big help.
0: Thanks, Peter. My pleasure, Ron. Thanks yeah. for your call.
1: And thank you, Ron, for chiming in. Peter, very quickly, I want to just run by a call we had last week with some information.
0: Yeah, look, last week we had a lady call up about um, dry dry mouth associated, called sicker syndrome, associated with, I think she mentioned, um, Sjogren's syndrome, which is an autoimmune condition. And, um, you know, traditionally it's things like fish oil particularly, but I think the lady mentioned that she had problems with fish oil and couldn't take a lot of the commercially available dry mouth or dry mouth preparations because of the additives and preservatives. So um, I mentioned last week that glycerine and glycerine made up, we have, um, if the lady would like to call me back at work, I've got a herb mix I can actually make up for her that where we use a marshmallow, marshmallow glycertract and some other herbs that just help gently to, pr- pr- to try and keep the mouth more moist. Um, and the glycerine really makes a big difference as well. So I just wanted to put that out there. If that lady was listening last week, if she'd like to give the office a call. and You, can,
1: uh, you can talk her through uh, some I'll, of the information I there. will,
0: and I can actually, I'll give her a, small, um, a bottle of the herb mix to actually try, and she can let me know how she goes. Oh, wonderful. Thank you for that, Peter. We've got a couple of talks coming up the 11th of July, natural therapies for thyroid health. Yeah, thyroid is such a big condition. You know, so many of our clients, you know, when we do talks these days I'll often ask who's had thyroid issues and like you know, a third to half of the room these days are putting their hand up. So mm-hmm. it's a massive topic. And there's a lot of great new research that if you've got thyroid issues a lot can be done from a natural therapy's point of view. Great. And just very quickly also twenty fifth of July, the benefit? Yeah, look, we're doing a, a, a fermenting for Dan. A good friend of mine owns the apothecary kitchen in um Beaumont Street and um his head chef dan was diagnosed with um stomach cancer so we're doing a fermenting for dan we're doing a i'm going to be talking about gut health and ben's going to do be doing a live demo on fermenting and you know it's going to be a great night get the audience really involved in how to do a proper ferment he's going to make sauerkraut um and a couple of other things as well so all our all the information for that um and it's a charity event um so all that information will be on our website as well which is
1: au. Thanks for that, Peter. We'll catch you next week after midday on Tuesday.
0: My pleasure, and I'll try and um, come up with some interesting topics for you next week, Mark, okay. as well. I'll have, They're is interesting. Always and interesting. we're still after a date. No, we're if not. If anybody out well, we there... Are, but we are, but we're if not. If anyone out you know there I mean? would like to meet Mark, um, just contact 2NUR Get out or of fear, Peter. me personally. Go
1: away. Go away. 2 R F N. that's Health and Wellbeing with Peter Mullin. Peter Mayer may not be back next week. <laughs>